Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His words so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. God knows, if you're a Christian this morning, God knows that you love Him and you want to obey Him. God knows that. There's no true Christian that says they're a Christian and doesn't want to obey God. Doesn't mean I always do. If you say, well, I'm a Christian. I don't want to obey God. I just want to get to heaven. Let me just kindly say this to you. You're not a Christian. Jesus said it like this. If you love me, keep my commandments. See, the commandments are not bad for us. They're good for us. A conscience is our protector. God loves you. Even if you believe you are the worst sinner in the world, He loves you. Do you believe you've committed the sin that God can't forgive? This is not God's desire for you. These are lies that Satan wants you to believe. Moving backwards is a choice we make because we believe the lies of the enemy that nothing can change. Wrong. Don't stay in that place where the enemy can defeat you. Pastor Mark will tell us that we can begin to move forward from wherever we are and know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 1 with our continuing study entitled Spiritually Healthy Indicators. Condemnation drives us away from forgiveness. And at the end of that, I'm basically useless. I feel terrible. I'm filled with doubt and guilt. It weighs on me. I'm no use as a Christian anywhere. How can I witness to someone when they go, Hey, how you doing? Uh, So I'm useless in the kingdom of God. That's exactly why Satan... For one year, David was useless. One year. Most valuable thing you and I have is my time. So understand, that is exactly... Condemnation removes the joy of living and our usefulness for God. Now, what about conviction? Conviction is from God. Now, why do I need conviction? Because I sin. There's no perfect people. We've already been through all of that. But instead of this general thing, you don't read enough, you don't love enough, you don't give enough, conviction is a specific awareness of one particular sin. It's like this. Satan will say to me, "Uh, Mark, uh, you said an unkind word to your wife yesterday, and it wasn't right. She didn't do it, and you blew it. That's conviction, because I know the word I said. By the way, it's not true. (laughs) Maybe true for some of you. What does condemnation sound like? Well, Balmer, you've been married to that woman 46 years. You never do anything right. You'll never be a right husband. You're never a good father. You never. That's condemnation. 
See, now, when that conviction comes, Balmer, you did this, what's my responsibility? Ask God to forgive me and then do what? Ask my wife to forgive me. No, I just want to ask God. No. Well, why would you want to do it? Because it's humbling, isn't it? But see, that's what brings restoration. That's what brings restoration. So conviction is always about one specific area. It, 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 it drives me to Jesus. It causes me to repent. And it encourages me to receive his forgiveness and change. See, it's very different from condemnation. It then restores my joy and makes me useful in the kingdom of God. Now, I discovered way long ago, Linda and I did, we used to do a small group 30, 40 years ago. We had like 40 people in our home. I was teaching. And guess when the battles came in the home? The very evening I would teach. And, you know, we're asking children, and I'm teaching, praise God, you're going to go to God. And when I look at my wife, I go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Till my wife and I discovered, enemy, this isn't going to happen. So we'd always be very careful that evening to love each other and be in unison. Amen. 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 Now, when you begin to think of that conviction and condemnation, condemnation sends you away from God and His forgiveness and the cross. Conviction brings you back to God, restores your joy of living. Now, look at, go back to John 3.19, because there's something huge. You noticed I use the word often to feel condemned, to feel condemned. That's something we have to deal with. Look at this verse. John says this, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Our actions will show that really we're believers. So then we can be confident. I can, I can be confident when we stand before God. In other words, in a moment, you'll see, I can be confident to pray to God. Even if we say it with me, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Now, what in the world is Paul trying to say? Here's the bottom line. I want you to write this, and I'll explain it. I cannot live by my feelings. If you live by your feelings, you'll be up one day and down the next. Spiritually, you cannot live by your feelings. I have to live by the truth, the facts of God's word. See, because often, because I, depending on your esteem and God esteem or lack of self-esteem or whatever, and sometimes it's the opposite. You're just super overconfident. Everything is perfect. Lord, help us. You're not perfect. Get out of my face. I hate people that think they're perfect in every decision because they're not. You know why people are prideful? You know why people are prideful? You won't like this. I didn't like it when I heard it. People are prideful because they're insecure. Oh, I can, I've got all the right answers for you. Really? The reason you're saying that because you're insecure in yourself. Well, no, I'm not insecure. Yes, you are. Now, understand this. So what is the bottom line? What in the world is Paul saying there? Here's what Paul's saying. Listen, there's no doubt that a Christ follower loves God. And we desire to obey him by loving him and loving others. But sometimes they do fall short. Sometimes my heart does condemn me. Sometimes my conscience bothers me. But John reminds us that through all of those feelings, God knows the real you. What does God know about me? What does the Bible say about a believer? Let me just give you three or four. God knows, if you're a Christian this morning, God knows that you love him and you want to obey him. God knows that. There's no true Christian 
that says they're a Christian and doesn't want to obey God. Doesn't mean I always do. If you say, well, I'm a Christian. I don't want to obey God. I just want to get to heaven. Let me just kindly say this to you. You're not a Christian. Jesus said it like this. If you love me, keep my commandments. See, the commandments are not bad for us. They're good for us. A conscience is our protector. If David would have heard the alarms, bing, 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 and went, you know, this is, looks pretty good, but this is not going to get me where I'm going to go, and walked away, we'd have a whole different David. Now, don't look at me like that. You've been there, and so have I. So I can't go by my feelings, because my feelings sometimes will say, well, I really don't love God then. No, God knows that you love him and want to obey him. God knows that I've been born again. God knows that you're his children. And here's one, get ready. There has to be an amen coming at this, so I'm just getting your amen ready. You ready? Here it comes. The end of Romans 8 says this. God knows that nothing can separate a Christian from his love. Could I hear an amen in the house? Nothing. Doesn't matter what you do. Be convicted, ask forgiveness. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Praise God. Praise God. That's assurance. That gives me confidence. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't sometimes feel that way. Oh, man. That's what I've been trying to say to you. You can't go by our... We go by facts. The written word of God. Now, will Satan ever bring you back to the facts? Never. Except to try to condemn you. So I have to know those. So some of us always struggle from time to time. Some of us more than others. Would you write this statement down? This is huge. God knows that my security in him, knowing I'm saved, knowing I'm in the family of God, knowing I'm going to heaven, God knows that our security is founded in his power and not in our performance. You never got saved by your performance. People can't be good enough to be saved. You got saved because of the power of God forgave you of your sins. It's called grace. So don't ever doubt, once you're a believer... Don't ever doubt your salvation. We'd have to sit here and argue back and forth. One saved, always saved. Look, I just want to say this to you. All that argument is foolishness. Who in their right mind, that's a believer, would ever want to dwell on, well, I wonder if I lost my salvation. You know why people often bring that up? Because they want to go right to this line and say, is that too far? Is that too far? Ooh, a little more. Is that too far? Oh, that too far? Oh, okay, I'll back up just a little bit. Wrong thinking. I want to be in love with God. I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to obey him. That's what a Christian does. Never doubt your salvation. I never doubt my salvation. John 15 says this, abide in me and I'll abide in you. I'm just hanging with Jesus. Am I perfect? Absolutely. I'm a pastor. Why are you laughing? Of course I'm not perfect. But I abide in him and nothing, let's hear it, can separate us from the love of God. Never gives up, never gives up on me. You got it? Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, what does his assurance bring me? It brings me peace. Instead of guilt, it brings me peace. There's a Jewish word for peace. It's much broader than peace. It's called shalom. Completeness, rest, safety, Wholeness, listen to this definition, total well-being, body, soul, and spirit. Would, would you 
put a God smile on your face and turn to your neighbor and just go, Shalom. (laughs) Go for it. Go for it. Now, I want to tell you something. I'll tell you something. Listen, listen, all campuses. Then uh, yesterday morning, uh, we got up early and uh, went over across the street to the uh, big new park. I'd never been there before. My goodness, you get lost in that place. So we did our exercise. Then we came back across the street and uh, went and got some coffee and, and finished that and talked and had some time just by herself. And then we came to the parking lot here at this campus. And we walked the parking lot. She walked in one area, and I walked, we're praying for our kids and our grandkids and whatever. And I was praying for you at all the campuses. And here's my prayer for you, that you'll learn to walk in shalom, total well-being with God. Not perfect. And I'm going to pray for many of you at the end of the service because some of you struggle in this area big time. And my prayer for you because it's God's will for you, is not to live in guilt and condemnation, not to live with ongoing sin. Just simply confess and shalom. See, when we do that, we make a huge difference in our world. I can't do that for you. But I hopefully can teach you how to live that lifestyle. Well, look at verse 21. Paul continues. Dear friends... If our hearts do not condemn us, now the reason we can say that they won't condemn us is because we do confess. So when Satan says, well, you did that sin, and I say, no, you can't condemn me. I already confessed that. That's a, I know the necessity. First John 1, 9, if I confess my sins, he's faithful. He's already forgiven me. So I don't have to worry. Dear friends, if our heart do not condemn us, that means I've asked God to forgive me. We can then have confidence before God. What is that talking about? That's, I can approach God. Why do I approach God? Well, worship. But one of the big things I do when I approach God is prayer. So here's healthy number five. I'll have three or four more from you next week. I can't wait to get to next week, but I know I have to let you out in a few minutes, so we won't even go there. Here's number five at all of our campuses. Write it down. If I'm going to be a healthy Christian, I have to have confidence to pray to God with expectation that he's actually going to answer me. Now, where did I get that confidence? Where does Paul say in 21, I get confidence? I get confidence because I'm obeying God, I'm loving God, and I'm loving others. And because of that, I have assurance that my salvation is taken care of, eternity is taken care of. I have that clean conscience that I've asked God to forgive me when I blow it. And that gives me assurance, clean conscience, and confidence, not fear, to stand before God and pray. Now, what does that look like? What is prayer? What does it look like? Prayer is simply two-way conversation. You were designed to be dependent on God. So was I. And that dependence comes through prayer. You and I were never designed to do life alone. You can't do life alone. So I'm going to approach God. Now, if I'm guilty, if I'm in active sin, there's no reason God's going to answer my prayer. In fact, we'll learn next week, God doesn't answer our prayer when we're active sin. David, for a year, didn't get his prayers answered. You know why? Because God's only concerned with one thing. When our relationship with God is broken, when our fellowship is broken, God isn't interested in answering your prayer. He's interested in getting you back in fellowship with him. Understand that. When your kid disobeys and he wants you to do this and that and the other, you're not interested. You're trying to get the relationship back together. Then the gifts come. Then the generosity comes. So... 
If you understand what that looks like, this is basically what happened. Now, where does that prayer happen? It happens in the heavenlies. It happens around the throne. So look at this verse in Hebrews. It's huge. Let us then approach the throne of condemnation. No, it's the throne of what? So whose throne is that? It's God's throne. I can approach the throne of grace with what? Say it with me. With confidence. Why? Because my sins have been forgiven, and I'm not listening to the lies of the enemy. And I can approach it with confidence. What does confidence mean? It means that when I ask God, I can expect him to answer. So that we may receive what? Mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. That's what prayer is. Our life is designed to pray to God. You might say, Pastor Mark, I don't have a need. Tomorrow morning, a knock on your door, a phone call, a lab result, pink slip, a million other. Whoa. Well, what am I going to do with that? That's when you go to God. And I can go to him in confidence. That's the value of a relationship. Understand as you go through that what I'm talking about here. His throne is not one of condemnation. Oh, you again? No, he loves for us to ask. He loves for us to come to him. And we're encouraged to pray with confidence. How often should I pray? 24-7. It's just kind of an ongoing conversation. It's not weird. It's just a fellowship, a relationship. And as I begin to do that, I want you to think about something. No other rural religion has this either. I've been in, so have you, Linda and I, in many, many countries of the world. And you watch these people. It's disheartening to me. They buy things and they're burning the incense and bringing the fruit and they're praying to an idol who can't hear, can't touch, can't speak. They're serious. They don't know the truth. The Bible says there's one mediator between man and God and it's the man, Christ Jesus. We're the only religion in the world that has direct access to God. Would you write this down? Would you write this down? You need to understand this. Christ followers get direct access to God through prayer. That's fantastic. Because there's nothing impossible with God. At all of our campuses, why at the end of the services do we have people, prayer counselors down here? We'll have it this weekend at every one of our campuses. Why do we have all that? Because every week different people are in need. So we have not because we never ask. So it's never an embarrassing thing. It's the way we were doing. So you'll come up. I'll be down there. All of us have needs. So we just do that and ask you to come. And, and, and if, you're, if your life is right with God, in other words, that relationship's there, not perfect, but you ask God to forgive you when you blow it, then I can have confidence that he's absolutely going to answer my prayer. Now, understand, when you come, God knows us by name. And he knows everything about us. And he wants to answer our prayer. Look at verse 32. Let me read 31 with it. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we receive from him, some of you are going to get excited here, anything we ask. Now, there's not a period there. There's a comma. That doesn't lessen the promise. Because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. Pastor Mark, I can get anything I ask? Yeah, if you want to please him, what does that mean? Well, it means you want what he wants for you. Last night I had a counseling session at the end of the service. It was an individual. And as I counseled, I said to the individual this, 
It was a relationship problem. You're going to have to lay that person down. You've tried for a long, long, long time. And that relationship isn't going anywhere. So you're going to have to lay it down. The individual said, I already know that. But it's really hard. I said, yeah, it is. You lay it down. You just leave it go. And God will, then you just pray, God, I want what you want. I want the relationship you want. I want the person in my life that you want. You say, well, can, can we really trust God to give us the one he wants? No, I have come. Absolutely you can. Absolutely. So see, sometimes that's a hard thing, isn't it? So I'm not just going to ask. She'd been asking pretty much like anything. God, just, this is what, this is what I want. I'm helping you. I'm helping you. This is what I want. God says, no, that's not good for you. It's not good for you. Here's what's going to happen. And I told her just to be patient. You understand what I mean. Now let me, I don't want anybody moving any campus. I want to re- summarize and tell you what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to talk to those of you that are Christians that have guilt. I'm going to pray for you after I address those people that don't know God. What have we learned this morning? Three things. Let me summarize them to you. We get a clean conscience when we're obeying God. That means I get rest in my heart, peace, shalom, instead of condemnation and anxiety. I get assurance of my salvation instead of doubt. I get confidence to pray to God instead of fear. You're going to see that this morning. Because I'm going to ask you, as we get to that point in just a few moments, just to believe. You've all seen that weight this morning that we had on the slide, the weight of guilt and shame. I'm talking only to Christians now. You've walked in with that weight, and you're going to see God unload it this morning. And you're going to walk out of our campuses with shalom. But there's others of you. I'm going to deal with you right now. You don't have that assurance. You don't have the assurance that when you die, you're going to heaven. So there's something else you have to unload. You have to unload your sins and your guilt and your pain. There's no need for you to carry it because Jesus already paid for it. Your greatest need is for forgiveness, and Jesus paid for your sins. And I'm going to ask you this morning to be honest enough to say... Pastor Mark, I want the assurance that when I die, I'm going to heaven. There's nothing more important. That when I die, I'm going to be in eternity with God forever. You can have that before you leave. Now, some of you used to walk with God. Maybe you're like David this morning. You're backslidden. I don't know how long, but God brought you to make a recommitment in every one of our campuses. There's a problem in your life. And you need to make a recommitment. And I'm going to ask in a moment for all of our heads to be bowed on all the campuses. And quickly, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask you when you bow your heads, if you say, Pastor Mark, I want that. I want God to forgive me. I want the assurance. I want my conscience clean. I want that weight lifted. I want to know that I'm going to go to heaven. Then I'm going to ask you simply with their heads bowed, just to raise your hand. And I'm going to pray a prayer and ask you to pray it with me. Do you have the patience to wait for exactly what God wants for your life? Or do you want to rush ahead of His perfect will? God wants only the best for our lives, and Pastor Mark told us we can pray with confidence and know that God will give us the best and perfect gift. It may not always be in the timing we want or even what we thought it should be, but when we're walking in His will for our lives, we see that it is truly the best. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 6119, and the title of this message is Spiritually Healthy Indicators, Part 2. Again, today's message number is 6119, and the title of this message is Spiritually Healthy Indicators, Part 2. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue to learn what the indicators are for a spiritually healthy Christian. Prayer is a vital piece of the Christian life. It is a way we grow closer to God. Pastor Mark will tell us that God wants us to come to Him and talk to Him. Much like talking to your best friend. We can go to Him with confidence and know that He will listen to our needs, our cries, and our praise. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons for